You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. episode number 476. You definitely want to make sure that that person is right for the position. So you have to put someone in that position that is okay with being responsible. Some people run from responsibility. They don't like accountability or they get uncomfortable being in the hot seat or uncomfortable dealing with money or uncomfortable over the phone. So I'd say, honestly, the first metric to that position is is watching who you actually add into that slot. It has to be someone that's okay with being in the hot seat that can talk on the phone, that represents your brand well. um, And that when, you know, if anything goes wrong, they're not going to hide away from it, that they're honest about it. And they're like, hey, you know, here's actually like solutions we can put into place. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. And man, I'm excited about this show. There's no question that marketing is probably one of the sexiest and hottest topics when it comes to real estate investing, particularly wholesaling. And a lot of times we talk about strategy, but we're going to do something different today I actually have on a very special guest who is my director of marketing for my company. And so there was a point literally in my journey where I handed over the baton of marketing to someone else. And so as you're listening in today, this is kind of a twofold conversation. Number one, if you are considering or maybe in the future about getting a marketing manager, this will kind of just begin to paint that vision for you. But if that's far off, the second thing this is going to do is you're playing the role of being a marketing manager and talking to someone, it might allow you to kind of evaluate yourself as the marketing manager in your company until you can kind of pass that baton to someone else. So it's going to be a great show, just a lot about what it takes to run a good marketing department. So without further ado, really excited to have on this very special guest, Grace Mills, what's happening? Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Super happy to be here. Really, really excited. Uh, if there's one thing I love, it's definitely ranting and rambling about marketing. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So, so, Grace, let's give a little bit of background. People ask, like, well, how did Grace become the director of marketing? Did you hire into that position? Like, what was your journey with us on kind of where you started to how you were giving the big responsibility? of managing all the marketing in our company. What's that backstory? Yeah, absolutely. So funny enough, actually, I was grown from within. So I wasn't hired from an outside source, from any outside agency. I started literally taking the calls as a prospecting assistant. So, and I would notice from the, you know, being a prospecting assistant, sort of seeing it from the ground up, I was the one talking with the prospects as they're coming in and I would notice different things that they were saying or or just feedback in general that they were giving that I'm like, hey, I'm wondering if we could use that line or, you know, I wonder if we could sort of play off of what these, you know, the leads are already telling me from the position of a prospecting assistant. So I sort of waved the flag to, you know, the team like, hey, you know, I've noticed that people are saying this. Is there any way, like who's in charge of doing the direct mail flyer? Could we play with this wording or play with this sort of outline based on what they're saying? So 
after enough ideas, kind of throwing it out there, I ended up being able to grow into the position of the marketing director here. So yes, I was growing within. I started off as a prospecting assistant, just sort of listening to what the leads were telling us. I mean, with my own crazy creative little brain, <laughs> I was able to grow into that position and, and sort of play. I love it. And, it. and if you're listening again, you're going to get talent in one of two ways, either you're going to find talent and you're going to bring them in to go directly into a higher level position. We're talking about executive or director level positions like a director of marketing, or you're going to do the job of raising up leadership within. And in my personal opinion, the two both work, but the one that has higher probability and always just creates greater retention greater gratitude is raising somebody as a leader up in the company because they know what it's like to work up the ranks and they got a greater understanding, as you said, Grace, of like how this runs because you started ground level. It's kind of like the guy that owns a company and his son wants to run it one day. The best thing to do is what? Start him on the floor and then raise him up over time, never just throw him into the executive position. And so you did a great job of earning your way there. So people that are listening, Grace, Answer this question. What does a marketing manager do? <laughs> what, what is that position? Someone's like, okay, I understand they do it, but kind of give a little bit more detail. What, what's a marketing manager do? Well, I will tell you, it's a very fun, wild, crazy uh, position to be in. So a marketing manager, honestly, you'd be surprised at all of the things that you can sort of hand off to a marketing manager. The first that I will tell you is that you have someone who is responsible and that can literally hone in and make this thing their thing, right? Like this is what they do. This is where their brain does the best work. This is where they can be the most creative. They can literally take it and be 100% accountable and responsible for every single element. And what I mean by that is they are responsible for all of your creatives from creative to execution. It doesn't matter, you know, if that's a digital, if that's um, handling your direct mail or running your SEO, they're responsible for the ground level of it, creating it, brainstorming, and actually implementing and then executing every single piece of that on top of managing all of the budgeting and the billing. So it sort of takes a lot off of, of your plate if you don't currently have one. The marketing manager literally handles everything from start to finish and every little thing that comes up in between. Additionally, I would say research is super, super important on the marketing end. That person has the ability to watch trends to attend webinars, webcasts, um, any marketing conferences, just so they can always keep a note on what is going on in your industry or what other people may be doing. And they also can, you know, if I have to use the word, stalk your competitors for you. If you don't have to reinvent the wheel, don't. Sometimes it's a marketing manager can just literally sit there and, and start tracking what your competitors are doing across the industry. Yeah tracking their numbers, what they're sort of playing with, how their Facebook pages are laid out, how their websites are played out, and sort of playing with that and, and, and tying it in back in, into what the company's goals are. So a marketing manager... I love that. Like, it's very <laughs> comprehensive of what you just communicate, right? It's all the way from managing a budget to researching to innovation to, you know, tweaking what you currently have to KPIs. I mean, I think if someone's listening, you know, it's more than just doing a couple of things on that side. It's really taking full ownership of that process. So that rolls me into the next question. If you decide to entrust, you know, your marketing in your company, which is like a really big thing to hand off, <laughs> right? It's not like, closing coordination, you know, or something along those lines, or even disposition, those things are important. But, 
you know, the first domino in your company is marketing. That, that domino doesn't fall. None of the other ones fall because that's where it starts. So how do you manage or hold accountable a marketing person in your company, a manager? Like what type of metrics or like how do you hold them accountable to know that they're doing their job? Absolutely. So definitely there's the metrics to make sure they're doing their job correctly. But I'd say prior to them even getting the job, you definitely want to make sure that that person is right for the position. So you have to put someone in that position that is okay with being responsible. Some people run from responsibility. They don't like accountability or they get uncomfortable being in the hot seat or uncomfortable dealing with money or uncomfortable over the phone. So I'd say, honestly, the first metric to that position is is watching who you actually add into that slot. It has to be someone that's okay with being in the hot seat that can talk on the phone, that represents your brand well. Um, and that when, you know, if anything goes wrong, they're not going to hide away from it, that they're honest about it. And they're like, hey, you know, here's actually like solutions we can put into place. But on the metric sizes in terms of KPIs, um, you definitely want to track overall the budget. You know, you should always start the marketing person off with a budget. What's the amount of money you want spent on this particular campaign? And what are you looking for in terms of a return? So that marketing person is clear on a start. Here's the budget I'm starting with, but here's the goal in terms of return or revenue that, that as a company, I need to actually meet. And so when you actually start to build out your metrics, you can track that actual progress. You know, what campaigns are pulling in what number of leads? How much did each of, you know, what is the cost of each of those leads in comparison to your other campaigns? Now, all of those metrics are definitely really great to um, track your marketing manager. Yeah, I love it. So the two things I hear primarily as a measurement is, number one, can your marketing manager stick to the budget <laughs> that you're giving them base level, which is important. I mean, we're laughing about it, but I mean, that's a big responsibility because sometimes managing a budget can be tricky, you know, because you have the pressure of you need to generate these mini leads and you need to do that within this budget. So usually the expectation of the owner can be a little bit pressing, you know, on the marketing manager. And then the flip side, what I hear you talking about is, you know, they're tracking everything from cost per lead to cost per acquisition. But the most important metric that the marketing manager is held for is the dollar per dollar return. And that is, okay, here's the budget you've been given. Let's Mm -hmm. say just for argument's sake, it's five grand a month. What you're being held responsible for is what is the return on that? If we give you five, are you doubling that in the sense of return, tripling that, quadrupling that? Does that make sense? And so that's a crucial KPI, which we call dollar per dollar return. And just to give some headway, if you're wondering what that looks like, you know, for Grace, we expect a minimum of a $3 return. So that means that she's going to triple the investment that we've given her to play with. What she shoots for and what she gets pretty close to and wants to continue to hit on a regular basis is to hit $4 or above. So that means that if we're giving her five grand, she's turning every month that five grand into 20 grand as an example. And so that'll kind of give you a baseline on what you should expect to really hold your marketing manager accountable to. So Grace, I have another question. You know, from a business owner's standpoint, you know, what do you think the value is in hiring a marketing manager? Like why would a business owner decide to make that decision? What value would they get in doing that? Absolutely. I think it's super important for every business owner to get to a point where you can manage, but you're not responsible for executing everything. And when you give something like the marketing department or your 
you know, the management of marketing only to one person. Again, that's their thing that they can own. It's off of your plate. You've trusted, you've hired someone. They're so good at their job, they're going to do it. It's not a worry for you. And also there's a lot of time that's invested there. <laughs> so the marketing manager has all day to manage every little element of that campaign. So on the value side to the business manager, you're hiring someone that in terms of their skill set, that's their thing. In terms of their personality, that's exactly what they're fit to do. Their creative brains process that. They're detail-oriented enough to be super thorough and, and triple-check everything. They're goal-orientated, so they're going to hit the same goals that you wanted to do without you also having to feel like you needed to manage another element of your business or you have to execute that element of your business on your own. Um, that marketing manager is really like your, like another right-hand man <laughs> for that business owner. It's like, hey, like this is the goal you want. Like, you know, this is what the company goal is. Here's what you would like for me to play with, with my expertise and, and with my background or just with my ability to look and see what's going on out there in the marketing world. Here's a plan, the big plan of how um, I think we can get there. And they'll plan it out and, and execute every single element. So it's off of your plate and out of your hands. So you don't have to actually execute it again as a business owner on your own. That's good. And, and I think the big piece I pull out of that is, you know, if you're a business owner, there's so many different functions within the organization that you're potentially required to do, particularly if you're newer to the game. And at some point, you're going to get spread thin and you're not going to be able to put the full time and attention on the marketing side as you'd like to do it. So you might be good at it, but the problem is you're also doing sales and you're doing disposition and you're managing operations. And before you know it, you kind of start to drop the ball on what's happening over there. And so at some point you have to kind of make a decision. Either you're going to give a lot of time and effort to the marketing side yourself and hire out all the rest, or maybe your gifting is somewhere uh, stronger on a different element of the business like sales. And so what you'd rather do at that point is put more focus there and then you know delegate the marketing. So this isn't black and white. It really comes down to what your genius zone is and where you should be spending most of the time in your organization. So Grace, another question for you. What are some characteristics of a good market manager? If someone's going, you know, I'm going to be doing some interviewing, sizing some people up, like what should I be looking for in the characteristics? I know one thing you said already was they take ownership, right? Mm -hmm. So this is someone that comes in and realizes this is their baby. They're responsible for it. But what are a couple other characteristics you think makes up a great marketing manager? Marketing is supposed to be fun. It's a challenge. So I would definitely say someone that, aside from being goal-orientated as well, they love a challenge. They don't hide away from a challenge. They don't run away from responsibility. They like accountability. They want to be held accountable. Um, but marketing, a big piece of marketing is the creative. So, so you don't want to hire someone that does not have much of a personality. And you can tell that off the bat. Most marketing people that are super good at their job, we're we have very big personalities, super creative brains with endless ideas and super high energy that we're always self-motivated. So those are really, really huge characteristics that you want to watch out for, right? It's personality, because that's going to tell you a lot about how they can self-motivate, um, where they goal-orientated. Are they going to hide from a challenge? Are they open to a challenge? You know, what's that, that high and low balance there in terms of the characteristics? But definitely on the marketing side, you want to hire someone that is comfortable with that. Some people are not, again, comfortable with being in a, a position where they have to be responsible for so many things. So they have to be held uh, to a certain standard or, you know, 
you just need to find someone that's comfortable with all of those elements. Agreed, um, agreed. And I think another one that I hear you say, just to throw one on, is it somebody that loves to tinker. Yes. Because marketing <laughs> is a lot of split testing and just tinkering. And so, you know, even though you might decide on a strategy, if you want to get really good at that strategy, let's say like direct mail or radio or whatever it is, the best way to really excel at that is you got to tinker a lot. Just got to get in and test things. And well, what if yeah. we shifted that and adjusted that? And so I think one of your best characteristics as well is you just get a lot of enjoyment and fascination out of tinkering. Absolutely. Tinkering and researching. You definitely want to find somebody that's super comfortable with that as well. That's They're okay with reinventing themselves, right? They like that idea because in marketing, there's so many variables that can play into marketing. There's no one trick pony. So... <laughs> So yeah, absolutely. If there's anything that I would tell you when you're looking for a marketing manager, I don't even call it marketing. I call it tinkering. Like that's really what we do ultimately down to it is we tinker, we play, we research, we tinker, play, research, right? And creative, implement, execute. All of the things that we've learned and all of the things that we've tinkered with. I love it. Tinker, play, and research. That's good. So last question around this before um, we kind of transition into something really interesting too along the marketing side is, you know, someone's listening and, you know, they might be new, as we said, and they're listening to this and going, you know, do I have these qualities? I think this is a good challenge for someone that's doing this themselves, just to really evaluate themselves while they're in that role. Someone else might be listening going, you know, I've been in that role for a while. I think it's time for me to fire myself and put somebody else uh, in that seat so I can move to a better seat in my organization. But you know, when should someone consider hiring a marketing manager? How do you know that it's time to do that? Absolutely. I think that a lot of people realize that a lot earlier on than than sometimes they're willing to admit out loud. It's when your business is growing in a way where you can start to tell, hey, I got to start letting some of these pieces go so I can start focusing on what I need to. Um, In the beginning, as a business owner, sometimes there will be a time frame where you're kind of one man teaming it. But you'll notice that, hey, I'm getting to a point where the volume is starting to pick up or, or you know, I think I'm ready to start picking up a, a new marketing channel or I want to start playing with a new campaign that either I'm not quite an expert at or that I really don't have the time to invest in. I think it's somewhere around there when you start to feel that your business is ready to go to the next level or you can tell that your volume is growing or you're, you want, you're wanting to grow and expand your brand and your campaigns into either channels that you're not 100% sure about or either that you know that you really don't have the time to research, look into, and set it up and get it yeah. rolling. And I know from my personal experience, the way that we knew it is we just kind of started to begin to drop the ball on marketing because we were just getting pulled in a lot of different directions. Um, I know I felt that way. And so even though I built some of the things even now, Grace, that you've taken and bettered, I just realized like I didn't have the time to better it to the next level. It needed like full focus and I couldn't give my full attention to it because there were other things that were more important um, at the time. And so that's how I really knew that it was time to, to let you take over that and let go of control past the baton, which is great. <laughs> but I think it's just some excellent things. You know, it's just a lot of things that get you thinking about. And as always, you know, whether you're making the decision now or not, you definitely just want to begin with the end in mind and just allow your brain, if you're listening to stuff like this, go, yeah, I'm not there now, but you know, at least it's getting you to stretch your brain to, to think about how your organization can be built out at a bigger level. Because the one thing I know about everyone listening is 
they didn't get into this to own a job. They got into this to build a business. And that is a business that runs without them, a business that they can work on, not a business they work in. And if you want to get above the business and work on it and not in the day-to-day, you're going to have to find great people like Grace and elevate them in your organization. So Grace, this will be the first time we've talked about this together on a podcast, which is super fun, is radio. If you're listening again at this point, you know that we are teaching everyone how to do radio east to west coast because without question, it is the best marketing channel we've ever had. I've been doing it for 10 years um, at this point. And since Grace has taken over, out of everything we do, like pay-per-click and direct mail and all of those things, radio is just head and shoulders above any marketing channel that we have. And so, Grace, I wanted to ask you some questions today because I don't know if you realize this. I was going to throw this out here. You know, we launched back in December. So this is new, something we've kind of held in our kind of back pocket for a while before we rolled it out to show other people how to do it. We're coming up on uh, 100 students at this point. I don't know if you know that, that we've (laughs) actually either helped set up somewhere around the country or in process. So that's quite a bit. There's been a lot of uh, interest, a lot of excitement around this. And we're at a place now where we have people coming back as students just going like, thank you. Like that was a game changer. It set it and forget it. And, you know, I'm getting lead opportunities where I was really struggling just doing outbound stuff. Now I've got some great inbound marketing. So I'm going to just throw questions. If you're listening, like when I bring on people in my company, they don't know what I'm going to ask them. (laughs) The reason I do that is because I can get a more legit answer for you guys in the audience because they don't have time to think about it. So Grace, here's my first question. What is the type of student you find generally is making up the people coming in? And again, removing outliers, are these people that are really seasoned doing radio? Are these people that are maybe newer to the game, only been a year or two? Like, who are the people that are coming in and really going, this is great for my business and capitalizing on it? What's what's the demographic that you're seeing there? Oh, absolutely. I'd honestly tell you 99% of our students have never thought about doing radio or never attempted to do radio on their own. And the, you know, the very few that have tried it, tried it once and tried it with no real structure. They sort of just dove in, didn't understand the data or really what they were doing. They were just kind of picked a station off the top of their heads and were like, hey, I hope this works. And then it didn't work. And they went, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pulling back off of radio because it didn't actually work. But both of our students, I'd say 99% or a little over that have never, never, ever tried radio before. Didn't know where to start, where to begin, you know, thought it was something that could be useful for their business, but had no idea um, anything around radio. In terms of just overall, the majority of our students aren't very seasoned. We have quite a few of our students that are very new, um, maybe like three deals or so underneath their belt, and then somewhere intermediate. Very few of our students that are, are seasoned across the board that are in our program. So for the ones that are new, which is a good chunk, and when we define new, I'll say that under two years experience, right? Mm-hmm. Wholesale. Again, we have a minimum standard. You know, you have to also at least three deals to qualify because we want you to have a little bit of seasonality to you. But my question, you know, around those particular students that are coming in, do you think it's been challenging or the fact that they're new has gotten in the way of them capitalizing on radio? Or do you like that? That hasn't made really much of a difference for their success. 
No, honestly, I think it comes down more on the characteristic sides that they're willing to get in and do it. They're super confident. They're willing to listen. They want to learn. And they're like, they're game to jump in there and and get it done. And it hasn't affected their success at all. Um, As long as those characteristics were there in place, that they believe that they could do it. They love a challenge in that way. And they're willing to learn something new. Absolutely. That hasn't affected their success at all. And on the newer side. Yeah. So here's my question. So what do you feel like the characteristics are that our students are communicating why they're choosing radio over other lead channels? Like, what do you think is their thought process on, you know, these are the two to three characteristics about radio that made me go, you know what, I really want to execute on this in my business. What are you seeing there? I definitely think it's the growing and expanding their brand or legitimizing their brand even further. That brand reputation, that element is something you can't get on direct mail. Um, (laughs) You can run, you know, PPC, but it doesn't do a whole lot for your brand there. There are other marketing channels that exist. It's very difficult for them to build their brand or expand their brand off of or gain any brand um, recognition off of it the way that radio can. That's a good Um, one. So brand recognition. And I know doing all the welcome calls, I would agree with you on that, Grace. I have a lot of people coming in going, everything I'm doing is generating leads, but nothing I'm doing is building my brand, Mm -hmm. which I understand is super important for me from a long-term thinking standpoint. So I totally agree with you on that. What's, What's the second one? Um, I definitely would say it's the low maintenance of radio in comparison to other sources. Radio is super, you know, it's an, you set it and forget it, right? It's not a source that they're finding themselves. They have to go and chase after people. The people are coming to them. And it's not a crazy setup. It doesn't involve, you know, you know, like direct mail where you have to get the right list and then you have to clean up the list and then you, <laughs> you have to get the printing company and the right card together before you can actually drop the card. And then you have to wait for the card to drop in order to see what, what that volume comes in at. Radio, for them, I think a big characteristic or a big point that they um, were really interested in is the low maintenance and the ability to have inbound calls. That's probably the one of the number one that I hear, Grace, on my side, because again, I've never asked you this question. (laughs) Um, They call in and what I hear them say is, you know, I'm working still in a job or, you know, I've got family, these type of things. And I want to build this business, but I got to do it in a way that's not cheating the rest of my life. It's not stealing. And I don't want to feel like when I launch a marketing channel that I just launched an additional job Mm because I don't have time for that. I need something I can get in It's going to generate me great lead opportunity and it's not going to eat up a bunch of my time because things like cold calling, you know, text blasting. And again, those things work. We're not saying don't do them, but you've got to spend a lot more time on that side in order to generate those opportunities versus radio. All you got to do is just wait for the phone to ring, which is huge. And so I think that's a big one. Um, And again, if you're listening uh, and you just want to put a face with the name, I know you can always jump over onto YouTube uh, to our channel, which is Chris Arnold Real Estate, and definitely subscribe uh, and get a lot more free value that we provide uh, even outside of this podcast. So it's a great way to do that. Give me one more characteristic, Grace, that you feel like you're hearing from students about why they're signing up and doing radio. I definitely think it's the radio's ability to pull quality leads. 
it's not as much as a fight, you know, with other lead sources, um, it may, you know, pull in a, a ton of value, but then you have to sort through all of the junk. Whereas radio, the way you go about it with your messaging, um, you end up generating very high quality leads without a lot of effort. And without a lot of tire kickers, or <laughs> you will find some really interesting stories in there from time to time. But I definitely think it's the higher quality of leads that actually are coming in via the radio because of the way you're messaging. And again, it helps build, you know, and expand your brand. Radio is a great way to put your message and your brand in front of people that are ready to make a decision. And so when they actually call in, they're not calling to tire kick as much as other leads or unnecessary voicemails. Like, they are actually calling in to get something done. They're motivated. They heard your ad. There's something in that ad that clicked that's a pain point for them. They're like, done deal. Let me dial them now. I think it's definitely the opportunity of, of, of pulling in higher quality leads than the, what they were able to pull on other campaigns and channels. Yeah, that's great. So let me sum that up. The top three things you see are, number one, I want to build a brand. Radio allows me to do that at a really high level. I mean, even attain celebrity status in my area. Number two, I can set it and forget it. And number three, it's going to generate me the highest quality lead that I can generate. I think you nailed them. I don't think I would probably argue (laughs) on any of those. Um, So last couple of questions, you know, wrapping up. How hard do you think it's been for students to get up and going on radio? You know, we launched this. We know our story and getting it up and going. But as you've watched now, all these students come in you know, they know nothing about radio. A lot of them, you know, might be a little bit newer to real estate. On a scale of one to 10, you know, 10 being like, man, it's just super hard for them. One being like, it's a breeze. Generally speaking, where, where do you think the uh, level is for most students coming in? If you were to ask them that question, how hard it was? No, I don't think any of them will tell you that it's crazy hard. Um, I think sometimes it comes down to the toughest part is, is being patient. <laughs> For them sometimes, but the setup and getting started and getting it set up, it's not difficult at all. I don't think you'll find a single student that say it's difficult as much as they'll say, you know, I just had to learn to be patient just to wait it out for the best deal that was on the table because I, I know that station was going to break and give me what I was looking for. I think that that is, is typically what they, they hit on in, in terms of an issue. But other than that, it's not difficult to set up. Um, every student is a little different and definitely in how they approach it and how proactive they are. But the ones that are actually following through the system um, and engaging with the course and engaging with the calls and asking questions and, and going in there to fight, I don't think any of them will tell you that it was difficult. I think they'll tell you it took them time and they had to learn to be patient just to wait out for the best deal that was there on the table. Yes, absolutely. And I think you nailed it. And as much as, you know, you know, being patient, you're listening to that going, is that hard? Yeah, because uh, <laughs> if you're listening an entrepreneur, you're probably super impatient like I am. So actually patience and waiting um, can be really difficult. But I agree with you. You know, I ask a lot of the students, um, when I interview them on the podcast, Grace, and I ask them on a scale of one to 10, and the range of number that I get back is usually like a two to three. Every time I've asked that question, I don't think anyone's mentioned above a three yet. Maybe we'll get a, a four or five, but um, I think it drills <laughs> at home that they're like, yeah, this was not too difficult to set up. So the last question around this, Grace, which is the most important, and that's what everyone really cares about. What type of success have the students experienced as they launch on a radio in a city? I mean, you know, how long before they start getting calls and how long before we see they start executing deals and and getting a return? Like, generally speaking, like, what are you seeing on that side with the students? Yeah, absolutely. So 
I love being able to hear our students' stories as well. Um, and, you know, we know our proof in our pudding, but it's def- I love to hear what our students' stories and what they're seeing. I would tell you that when they're getting on, getting it set up, they're getting calls within the first couple of weeks. Um, we've even have students that are securing contracts by their third week. Uh, <laughs> so in the first 30 days of setting up radio, they're already getting calls and, and some of them are already pulling off of a couple of contracts. And then some are pushing, you know, they get their first contract maybe at day 60. But absolutely, we're getting students that are already, you know, on radio and in the first few weeks getting lead volume coming in there and getting quality enough lead volume that they're able to contract it. Yeah. And I agree. And it's, that's a great turnaround because other things like cold calling, things like that, again, which work, they just take longer um, to really get a return on that. You know, it can take months before you get your first deal. Whereas radio, as soon as you launch, you know, people hear it, they start calling in within the first few weeks. And because those qualities are high quality, um, we've got students who are just picking up deals. You know, as you said, second, third week, we had students that have picked up two, three deals in the first seven days. Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> which has been been crazy. And you'll hear as, as, as you, if you continue to tune in on um, the podcast, you'll hear those student stories come in and talk about their success so far. So I think that's the thing that was coolest for me because here's the thing. We know that radio worked for us in Dallas, just being really transparent. Obviously, we believe that it would work in every market across the country. But now we have the proof of that. I mean, east to west coast, you know, up to almost 100 students. And it's just working from small market to mid market to, you know, the the big markets. And so it's just really, really exciting to watch other students come in and find something that's really impacting their business at a big level. Because we're talking about, you know, your average deal is 10, 20,000, depending on your area. And you're talking about a source that's going to create numerous deals for you. So, you know, for us last year, Grace, just to give the listenership an idea, we did $770,000 in revenue just off of radio. 770000 That's That's big yeah. off of one source. So <laughs> there's a lot that can be done there. So if you're listening, and again, I know it's at a point now, where you've heard radio and you're just deciding, okay, when am I going to cross the line? The time is now. Um, We are locking out markets, meaning that they're being sold out because we minimize the amount of people we can put in a market, depending on the size, anywhere from one to three, and it's sold out. So there's markets that are just being sold out as we get further and further down the road. So you want to jump on it. I'm just telling you the truth. If you're listening, um, if it's something you're like, and I want to do this. I'm just waiting for the time. Um, the only thing I would tell you is there is limited time to it, um, simply because we're not going to allow it to get oversaturated and we're going to preserve it. So where do you begin? Um, you begin by booking a call. Um, you go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash REI radio. Again, that's wholesalinginc.com forward slash REI radio. You begin by booking a call, asking questions, making sure your market is open. Again, I always encourage you, do your due diligence, make sure that anything's a great fit for your business. And if it is, lock it up and uh, let's go. And you get myself, you get Grace now, who you know. And so she comes along and provides a ton of support. Um, And then we also have uh, two other people, Sierra, who is our operating officer that helps with the tech side of radio and just anything about, you know, lead management and how to get the most out of it. And we have Nikki, who is our, you know, student success coach, who's just, checking in on you along the way. So 
you're not just getting like stuck with one guru, which I find happens a lot of time. You got really good team support with us, which our students love. So we can do a really good job of fulfillment with that team. So Grace, thank you so much for your time. Great conversation, great value on, you know, talking about what it looks like to hire a great marketing manager and kind of some of the things for the audience to start thinking about. So thank you so much for joining us today. It was a lot of fun. No problem. I'm really I'm super, super happy to be here. Anytime I get to rant and ramble about marketing, I'm always game. <laughs> it's, it's your hot button. It's your hot button. And to the rest of you, thank you so much for joining in. And until next time, we'll catch you soon and add more value. Talk to you later. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.